Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Sync. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. Yeah, baby. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to be, and I, there's nothing really to prepare you for that one. No. But thanks. I like it. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, before we get started with our amazing guest, I have a very quick little um, story. I'd like to say Amy's first, but it's not. Mm. So you can't even sing the song. Um, but when I sent a picture to Mike, he said, texted back Amy's first question mark. <laughs> oh God. Um, after spending 45 minutes trying to make a TikTok, I was pretty pissed off. I don't <laughs> think I ran. I don't think I like pulled on the shower curtain hard. Anyways, the whole damn thing fell on me. Yeah. The whole like shower curtain. And I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the worst. But it's not a first. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it before. I don't believe I've done anything. I believe the shower curtain has done it. You are personally victimized by the shower <laughs> curtain. <laughs> and there we yes. go. <laughs> Since we have solved that problem. Yes. Yes. Come to that conclusion. <laughs> that's how your morning started. Yeah. It was on awesome. your way here. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, not on your way here. You were. <laughs> that would have been real weird. <laughs> no, I still did shower. So you yeah. can. It's. So we no. can sit near each other. Exactly. Yeah. So I appreciate make, make that. Make sure you knew that. Okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> wow. All right. So we have a very special guest, a person who I have not seen in many, many years, but went to high school with Katie Stewart. She goes by doctor now, which is kind of fucking fancy. <laughs> really, I only make my family call me doctor. Everyone oh, else is still yeah. that, Everyone and, and else if, can still say Katie. In fact, so if, if, there's, if there's anything I remember about you, that would be something that I would totally guess you would do. <laughs> be like, no, no, doctor. Yeah, that's right. I would. That takes a lot of work. I'd um, be like, you can refer to me as doctor going forward. Oh, henceforth absolutely. in perpetuity oh yeah absolutely. I think my mom actually told me i was anally fixated recently and i was like listen sister i am the only one in this group chat qualified to make that distinction and i say no ma'am oh, no ma'am that's amazing 
Oh, see, you've got that. You've got that education and that doctor. Totally it's back true. Your, it's yeah, true. Your opinions. We do not. We are unqualified. Hence <laughs> yes. the name. Um, that's why we bring our qualified friends on. That's right. Yes. yes, exactly. So, Katie, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited. We are really, really happy for you to be here. And so we want I wanted to start like I said, because I haven't talked to you in so many years, how did you get here? Well, does one of you have a gong? Because you may have to tell me, like, wrap it up, Katie. That's, that's, the, that's a long and winding version because there, there is no short version. I mean, I truly right. think, I, I don't, Amy, I don't know if we've seen each other in 20 years and probably not yeah. in person. And I left, you know, we went to Hemfield. I left, I went to NYU. I was a voice major, loved it. Everything felt you know, like I was doing Wait, 20 what I was years is making do. us really young, hun. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing the math in my head. I was 25, like, 25, like, 25, yeah, 25. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, that's okay. true. Okay. I guess I can't say I've been in the field for like 20 years and yeah, then I just graduated I high mean, school. We're still that young and heart. So it's fine. Most certainly. But yeah. Okay. So anyway, so I went to NYU. I was a voice major. That was all great. But I was always very interested in psychology. And I think many of us in the field either had personal struggles with mental health or family. I'm lucky enough that I've got both. There's a strong family history of depression yeah. and suicide on my mom's side. I've had my own struggles with depression, but I thought, you know, I'm going to go be an actress and actress and singer, and this is going to be wonderful. And then I was actually in a show that opened the day after 9-11. Um, Oh my nine, gosh. 9-11 was Whoa. our 12 to 12 tech day. And oh we woke up and I remember I called my mom and my parents were supposed to come to New York to see the show. And I called my mom just to say, hey, like, don't stop at the apartment because the show is on Long Island. Like, I'll, I'll get it later. And she answered the phone and she said, I already know we're not coming. I said, what are you talking about? And she didn't miss a beat. She said you're in your own room now, aren't you? You know, cause we were in a cast house and I said, yeah. She said, go grab somebody and turn on the TV. And I said, what channel? And she said, it does not matter. Mm. Oh my goodness. I said, what happened? And you know, so she says, well, two planes hit the twin towers. And I, I was just waking up. I said, on purpose. And she said, honey, <laughs> yeah. yeah. she goes, honey too. And I said, okay, okay. You know, so we're watching this all unfold. And interestingly, the show we were doing was the Scarlet Pimpernel. So there's an underdog and, you know, we're fighting for justice and, you know, yeah. the, not knowing the, um, you know, the evil villain and that kind of stuff. And so the show was wonderful and it was great to do something that made yeah. people feel good. But after that, and keep in mind, this is my first show out of college. After yeah. that, all I could think about was, you know, this is really nice. People are having fun. It feels good to have people stand up and clap. But maybe I want to help people in another way. And yeah. so I stayed in New York for three years. And to be honest, not much was happening career-wise. I was auditioning. I was a hostess. I was a tour guide. And so I came home and thought maybe I would be an attorney and help people, help people that way, be a family mm -hmm. lawyer like my dad. Then my psychiatrist said, I think you really need to think about what you're doing. And I said, okay. So I 
looked at law schools and I started laughing as I was looking at apartments in Ada, Ohio. If you've never been there, don't go. <laughs> Do not go. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. I started laughing and my mom said, why are you laughing? And I said, because I will cry if I don't. I cannot yeah. live here. And I yeah. don't think I'm going to law school for the right reasons. So... I started looking at grad schools in Pittsburgh because I had just moved back a few months ago and found the Masters of Counseling or Masters of Science in Counseling Psychology at Chatham, set up an interview, and they said, Well, you can start next week. Whoa. Right. Whoa. So so I didn't go to law school. I told them no thank you, even though I was enrolled. Switched over to counseling psych and thought, okay, I'll do this. I'll be an LPC. I'll just practice as a therapist. And then while I was there, I ended up at Mayview State Hospital for my field placements and loved it. And my supervisor was a psychologist and he said, you know, you really could be a psychologist. And one of the reasons I didn't do it in college was I saw how long you had to be in school. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love school. I love yeah. academia, but... 20 that seemed like forever so right. I said no then and I instead did it the longest way possible by doing a 60 credit <laughs> I did a 60 credit master's program then went into a side <laughs> program that was four years then you know then there's a postdoc after that which you can usually do in a year you have to do at least a year but I took a faculty position so I had to balance teaching and oh practicing so that took like a year and a half so finally I was done. And it actually, it, it wasn't that long. It didn't seem that long, but it's just hysterical to think, you know, at one point in my life, I was like, oh my God, there's no way I could do that. And right. then I'm like, is there another, is there another program I could do? Can I keep going <laughs> yeah. to school forever? Yeah. And so that's kind of how it happened. I always had this interest. I really wanted to help people, you know, and there's just, to be honest with you, once I made the switch from my very short first career to my hopefully very long second career, there has not been a day that I haven't loved what I do. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That I that have. That is a plus. It, <laughs> wow. it is. And, and I tell anybody who will listen that, including my patients, because yeah. it, it truly is. I can't think of any greater honor than to sit with people and listen to their stories. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Um, I, I have I, to, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say that I, I have to admit that, um, I did go look and see, and I was like, holy fucking shit. That's a lot of school. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, but it truly like, you know, especially if you've been looking at law school three years and then you look at this, but I went through the curriculum and I was like, that looks interesting. That looks interesting. That looks interesting. I mean, and it's it, fascinating. It, it really is. is. And it's, I, I really love when people get into it who have their own struggles yeah mm -hmm. yeah because i think most of, of us do but yeah yeah we're not supposed because to talk about relate. it yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> i just think it's it's encouraging to hear you say i loved that you said like there's nothing more that you would love to do than to listen to people tell their stories because yeah. i think sometimes when i'm in therapy i have to tell you i'm thinking to myself she must be like internally banging her head against a wall. Like I cannot listen to this anymore. <laughs> it's so funny because I will have people say that to me in session, you know, almost exactly yeah. that. Like, you're probably tired of hearing this or you're probably, yeah. and I cannot speak for anyone else, but truly I'm not. 
It, I just yeah. saw someone a couple of days ago who I hadn't seen in three years. So we've got a pandemic now, you know, the, between yeah. what I saw her last and seeing her now. And I told her, and I meant every word of it, I am so happy to see you. It is always bittersweet, right? When someone comes back because people don't make an appointment to tell me all the wonderful things that have happened. Yeah. Right. However, I spend an hour a week or an hour every other week with these people. And I, anybody, you know, we're taught, you know, you're not supposed to be emotionally involved, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That's a bunch of bullshit. I love yeah. everybody. I cannot even pretend and wouldn't want to pretend that I don't. And yeah. I, I just think that's normal when you become so involved in someone's, I, you know, I always say their story, their narrative, because it is their story. It's the story that they have lived and then the way they've chosen to present it to me is so important and yeah i just love it so some simple things just to kind of clear up for us i don't know maybe our listeners too <laughs> we were unsure of the difference between a psychologist and a therapist obviously oh. it's more school and you ch yep. you changed where you were going and how you were doing that so what would be the difference i guess i would say the main so a psychologist can be a therapist um uh, someone who is a therapist, maybe a psychologist, but you're exactly right. In the state of Pennsylvania, to be a psychologist, you have to have a doctorate and then you have to be licensed to call yourself a psychologist. So you're licensed as a psychologist, which means you've passed two big tests. One is the EPPP, that's the national exam. It's actually used in the United States and Canada. One's the PPLE that says, you know, the Pennsylvania laws. That one's not that hard. Um, and then you've also completed Oh, almost 2000 hours of clinical work after completing your doctorate, which they're changing now. And that's been supervised by another psychologist. And they've mm -hmm. then they have to sign off on you. They have to basically say, yes, this person can go out there. They're not going to hurt anybody. They're at least going to practice at a basic level. That said, I don't necessarily believe a psychologist is a better therapist than someone with a master's degree. I think. Okay. And, and this is why, actually, I'm going to talk about your title. You are perfectly qualified because <laughs> I, I, I believe that because I honestly think, yes, school was wonderful. And there are many things I learned that I know why I had to learn. Mm -hmm. But I think that what makes me most effective and probably what most patients would tell you they like the most is that I am a human. It has been my lived yeah. experience that I... You know, my, my Instagram looks amazing, but <laughs> I, I have had struggles like everyone else and you know, they're not always the same, but especially if you come to me with anxiety and depression, which most people do, I know at least a little bit about mm -hmm. what your experience is while balancing that with not assuming that I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that I can hear and hold your story. I love that. I love that. That is just so, so I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. So it's just, you, do you feel like you have more knowledge about medicine and certain specific like so, illnesses? Um, yes. And not, I, I was going to say not necessarily medicine, but we do have to take, and it may be required. I had to, I think it's probably required in all doctoral programs that you do take at least one psychopharmacology class. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling me any kind of typical psych meds, I at least know a little bit about it. Um, yeah. but a master's level therapist very well may know also because of their experience and what they've heard. 
Um, yeah. Truly, I think the more therapy you've done, and actually, mm-hmm. as I say that, I mean where you've been the therapist, but probably doing your own, <laughs> your your own is really helpful too. I was like, if, wait a second, then we are so qualified. <laughs> I do um, think being in yes. the other chair is really helpful. <laughs> but the more you do, kind of the better you are at it. And the other thing is too, we, we have added experience built into the educational process. So you've got at least you know, several years, more schooling. Part of that is supervised experience, then more supervised experience on top. But if we're talking about therapy, I don't know that there's a huge difference, but what a psychologist can do is, you know, be an expert witness. They can do more assessment. They can do more testing. Um, usually if you want to be on faculty at a university, they prefer someone with a doctorate. So it does Mm -hmm. kind of broaden what you can do, but in terms of working with people in therapy, which is really what I do. I don't know that the doctorate was that important other than actually what's interesting is, you know, something that we had talked about talking about today is the whole idea that a psychologist kind of isn't supposed to be a person in the room. We're just supposed yes. to be kind of blank and flat. And, and, <laughs> like you mm-hmm. see on TV, right? Yes. Yeah. Tell, tell me more. Mm-hmm. How do you feel mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> can you say more? Um, <laughs> and I do think that's something that gets beaten into us even more in a doctoral program to be that way to be that way i will say that the most consistent feedback i got here's a shocker sarah you've known me for 25 minutes now and i'm sure i'm sure sure you'll be totally shocked by this the most consistent (laughs) feedback i got through my my doctoral program was that i was too big my personality (laughs) my personality is too big you know be careful how much of you is in the room and and oh my god and that's because of that idea you know that we should be more of a blank slate we should just hold things you know we want to allow the patient to project and i don't disagree with that feedback that was really good because I should absolutely not be the biggest person in the room. I should not be, my personality, my story shouldn't even be 50-50 with the right. patient's story. So that was really good training and I, I I do appreciate it. And I think that that is probably something that may make a difference is that we are going to be more thoughtful about things like self-disclosure and boundaries is something that I've seen both in terms of what patients have told me about their experience with other therapists, what I've seen as a supervisor, what I've seen as a colleague working with um, people with different educational backgrounds and different educational levels. And and I appreciate that training. And I say, eh, yeah. we'll see. I, I <laughs> you know, this many years later, I feel like I can take it or leave it at the appropriate time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I've been in therapy since um, I left you, so I wonder if that's a cl- like, connection. Just kidding. Um, so I've been in therapy for 25 years. <laughs> you missed her so much, her presence in your life. Um, and I will say that it's that there's a sense of reading the room as well, right? Yes, and so 100%. I've had people, but when they read the room correctly and they open up to me, I, I still remember those times like that to me, I hold on to those so close and near and dear. And I'm like, okay. And I don't know, it's just this connection. Um, and then for, for Sarah and I, we have the same therapist. I don't know if you knew that, but no, that is cool. It was, she's amazing though. She never like (laughs) discloses, never says anything like, um, 
plans. It was unplanned. Yeah. But um, I feel like I remember running into you in the waiting room. Oh, that's funny. And we were like, like, wait, what? so weird. That's hilarious. Yeah. I have suspected yeah. at different times that oh my, like I would be listening to someone and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Is You're she like, talking, talking about, about so-and-so? And it would be like a frenemy situation. Yeah. And then I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to figure, like I'd, I'd start planning appointments at different times and then I'd figure out it wasn't the same. I'm like, oh, oh. Those are the That's times so when funny. I'm sweating, but yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. No. And for, for us, because of our personality, for me, it was like, as soon as she dropped an F-bomb, I was like, you're my therapist yes. for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I'm, I'm never I've dropped going many. elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's reading the room too. I think, um, I think that's kind of what you learn to do probably absolutely. The more that you do it. Oh, absolutely. There, I mean, there are people, I actually had a conversation with my mom last week who was not a psychologist, not a therapist, um, besides mine, my youngest brothers, all of her friends. <laughs> um, but you know, I said, you know, with mom brain, I've actually emailed patients outside of session because I'm afraid I'm going to forget something that I thought of between sessions, whatever. And she said, well, don't you think, you know, I said, oh, absolutely. I absolutely know who the people are who would appreciate that and just yeah. see that, you know, as a kind gesture or right. say, oh yeah, she has mom brain. She just wanted me to know I'll see her Thursday, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. And I, and I certainly wouldn't do that if I thought that that rupture, that would feel like, like a rupture, a boundary yeah. crossing, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. But that's, that's something that there is no way I would have done 10 years ago. Yeah. So this is like a really interesting direction of the conversation (laughs) and because I was thinking to myself like there are people who are a little bit leery about seeing therapists and psychologists and things because of things that are like um uh depicted on tv yes so like Amy and I were just talking about the other day afterlife I don't know if you've seen that show no on uh, on Netflix it's Ricky Gervais and it's he's his wife dies and it's his life afterwards of how he goes on and it's so he sees it's a psych- lovely. Yeah. He sees a psychologist who's like a total wreck. Like he's a, a dick. Like he doesn't like say the right things. He divulges too much. He talks about his yeah. um, personal thing, uh, personal experiences. But um, <sighs> there's also I, I haven't watched it, but I know the premise of uh, the Shrink Next Door. Have you seen that? Haven't seen that one either. I'm, I'm making a so mental that's list. Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. <laughs> oh. And is it a show? It's Paul Red and Welfare. It's a show, and it is a true story, actually, oh. from like in the '80s. This shrink who totally um, manipulates his patient, <gasps> and like kind of like gets into his life and takes over portions of his life, and so you know, people. Wait, I've, I've heard I think all this. that was based. Uh, it was based on a podcast. I listened to the podcast. Did you? That okay, was. Have it. Okay. it is wild completely yeah. manipulated them took all yes. of their money i mean it's yes and I, but i think that that's you know there, there's a psychiatrist actually named sean shea who does a lot with suicide and when he does trainings he says we have to consider ourselves to be as precise as neurosurgeons we mm. you know we have to take that kind of care mm-hmm. and I probably, I haven't yet, so I probably will never forget him saying whatever it was along those lines. Um, Because again, it is an honor, it is a privilege to sit with people's story and when they are really openly telling me the best things in their lives, the worst things in their lives, that's sacred. 
Yeah. It it would be, I think, for, I would say, the wrong person. Some people might say the right person. So easy to manipulate that. Mm. Yeah. But how horrible. Yeah. So what can people look for? Like what... When you're in a therapy session, do you have like red flag? Oh yeah. Well, advice? I would absolutely say if there is too much self-disclosure on the therapist's mm-hmm. part on the first day. Espe- <laughs> oh, I was just going to say especially if it feels like too much too soon. Mhm. Huge problem. I also, you know, one thing that was drilled into us was you maintain the frame of therapy. You start on time, you end on time unless it is a crisis situation. Um I think if someone is canceling a lot of appointments, if they're always late, they're mm-hmm. not respecting your time. And chances mm-hmm. are they would not allow that from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why should that happen in reverse? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good, that's a really good one. You know, that is a good I mean, uh, there, our time is all we can give to people, our time and our presence. So we expect that, right? I expect patients to be on time. I expect that even if you're logging on, you know, whatever it is, but I have to give that back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for sure. I think it's, it sends a horrible message. I also would be concerned about someone who isn't forthcoming about their educational background, about their experience. Um, you know, you want to see credentials. That's fine. It's funny. I have patients say, oh, I Googled you. I'm like, good. You should. <laughs> yeah. You should. Yeah. 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 You know, you're coming and trusting me. Yeah. I would also say it if they if if a therapist is pushing a certain thing way too mm-hmm. hard and it feels invasive, I would be concerned. This actually happened with a patient of mine who for various reasons had to see another therapist and I just as soon as she told me about the situation, I said get we're getting you out of there as soon as possible mm-hmm. because it felt like she just wanted to know the story, not help this person. Yeah. Ugh. That yeah. feels yucky. Very. <laughs> you guys very. can't see our faces, but I made that. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> it's yeah. gross. It's gross. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, it means you're just there to get the scoop. Yeah. It, yes. Ooh. And if that's how you feel, get out of there. I tell people do three sessions, unless there's yeah. something like really significantly wrong in the first one. Do three because you're probably anxious the first appointment. I know I am. I tell everybody this is the worst one. Mm-hmm. You're anxious. You feel like you have to tell me everything. I feel like I have to get everything and, you know, package it back to you in a way that you feel like I've understood. Let's get rid of that. And just the tell me what you can The first one is very today. hard. Yeah. The first one's always hard. I, I call it like therapist shopping. And so I always dread the first one because I'm like, can you just, can I write you a paragraph or mm-hmm. two? Like, so that you can just read it ahead of time because you're really retelling your story of yep. 43 years. And that's a lot of information. Yeah. And so I have... I think that we, what did we count? 20, 20, 26 years together. The two of, no, it was more than that. Definitely well, it is, more it's more that. than that now. <laughs> um, but like how many therapists I've been through, I think it's like oh, eight or 10. Yeah. yeah. I think it was 10, around. Yeah. Something like that. And so, you know, you leave very, for various reasons. You can mm-hmm. outgrow somebody. You can, um, I don't know. There could be, you move or move whatever. Location, yeah. But now, Katie, what do we tell people? Because I, I, as an unqualified therapist, get these messages at least a couple times a week. Um, can you please recommend a therapist? And then I'll recommend or I'll show them and nobody's taking new patients. Nobody is right now. It is, okay, this is going to sound really awful. I have concerns about people who are taking new patients right now because what have they been doing mm. 
that they're not full. I hate to say that. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's always possible, you know, we've been in this for almost two years now that people are doing better. People are finishing. Um, and, and you may have a spot or two open up, but I mean, I've told people take turns with your friends (laughs) where you just listen, truly don't offer advice. Don't try to problem solve. Don't try to fix anything. Yeah. Yeah. Take turns. Let one person just tell their story of the week or have their vent session, whatever, just listen and then switch. But I mean, it, I also, that's good advice. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of what we have to do right now. I also think keep trying. If people have wait lists, get on the wait list. Um, Mm. and don't, cause I will tell people, I can let you know if something opens up. I've had people email me again in a few months and it has then worked and I would have completely forgotten, didn't right. check the wait list, whatever, just because of something had happened. Maybe someone had their schedule changed that day. I can't tell you how many times things have happened where it's, you know, as my mother and I would say, the universe answers and yeah. Tuesday at two opened up and I get an email Tuesday at four that says, Hey, do you have anything? And I say, yeah, can you do this time? Yeah. And it works. So do not give up. Yeah. But use your social network. Use your supports that you already have in place. Know who you can trust. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think setting those parameters, especially if like you're not familiar with how to do how you, what it's like in therapy, or you've not read a lot about like communication, having understanding, like don't combat each thing with like your thing. Right. Like, oh my gosh, yes. I guess de- it depends on the conversation. Like, like one-upper like, kind yeah. of thing? Well, like, let's, let's like, first of all, establish what is this conversation for? Yep. Like, a lot of times, Sarah and I are like, we're just going to vent now mm-hmm. to each other. And that doesn't mean you have to solve anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to, like, do anything or say anything. I just need somebody else to know yes. these things happened. Yes. I, you know, in the meditation protocol that I teach in our trainings, they teach that everybody wants to be seen, to be heard, have a sense of connection and a sense of belonging. If you can provide any one of those things, mm. you're you're being a great friend and doing a great service. I think too, Amy, you might be talking about this idea of narcissistic responding. When I oh. say, so see, when I say, <laughs> so when I say, oh my gosh, you know, I just, I'm having this huge problem, you know, whatever it is. And the person says, oh my God, I know. I had blah, blah, blah. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, you can't see me. I threw my arms up and you know, <laughs> it's like, no, I want to tell you what it was for me. Can't yes. you just listen? Yeah. Please yes. just listen. And yeah, you know, I had an intern who I was supervising a few years ago say, Dr. Stewart. And I was like, what? And she goes, they call, they always call me Dr. Stewart, even though I said, really, you don't have to. I think because you know, we were in a hospital setting. They didn't want anyone else I'd be to like, hear who, it. Who are you talking to? <laughs> Basically. That, oh, that's me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so she said, I know why people go to therapy. And I was like, well, that's awesome considering you're providing it and <laughs> you're about to be a licensed psychologist oh in a couple of years. But her point was she was trying to have a conversation with someone and they just weren't listening mm-hmm. to anything she said. And she goes, I can't believe we to pay people to listen but we do and that's how yeah. it goes <laughs> i'm dying i'm sorry which part just we have to pay people to listen to well, it's, like a... it's so I, true there's something too about having a third party who's not a part of your that's life that's right that yeah. is absolutely you know, right and so which I is said actually to, uh, 
Sorry to cut you off, Amy, but that's actually okay. really funny because I will make that point to people. I've had someone say, but, but you're my doctor. And I say, okay, but I think we're confused about what my job is. My job, <laughs> my job isn't actually to make you feel good. Thankfully, that is, you know, a large percentage of the time, a byproduct of what, what my job yeah. is. Yeah. My job is to help you see things. My job mm. is to, you know, give you, as you're saying, maybe an, an objective take on the situation based on everything I've heard. You know, my job is to help you see more clearly, to maybe consider yeah. other sides of things. It isn't necessarily to make you feel good, although I generally hope you do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I and I think that perspective shifting that you can then think about the whole week. Like yeah. I'll go back and I'll be like, oh my gosh, like I thought about this and I'm so happy that you said that to me because I needed it then, but I don't need it now. And right. I see where you were, like not where she was leading me, but I see what you were saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now we can let go of that idea. I needed it for the week. <laughs> and we can like now dig into like what it is you were going for. <laughs> I will tell yeah. you that is often an oh shit moment for me when someone comes in and says, I have to talk to you about that thing you said last week. I never know which fucking thing it was. <laughs> Usually I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, uh oh, like what? <laughs> shit, what did I fucking say I'm this like, time? Remind me of what that was. <laughs> not because oh I'm gosh. not present, but because you don't know which thing is gonna land. Yes. Yeah. In such a way that the person is really going to take it and run with it. Or yeah. sometimes I love when they come in and they're hot and they're like, that thing you said, I disagree. I'm like, yes, that means you were listening and you feel comfortable giving it back to me to yeah. say you were wrong about this. This mm -hmm. is actually, you know, what happened. I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I do think too, that that's that I love how you um, look at your job uh, with such reverence because you don't know what's going to land. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I guess like we should all think about that because I'm thinking about the fact that like people listen to this everywhere mm -hmm. and like yeah. any piece of this could land with someone. And so you want to make sure you're putting out all of the stuff that's like positive, not, yeah. not, yeah. not toxic positive. Yeah. No, I, mean, I know like, what you no. mean. Like for the good, for the, the good. For the well, right. 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 And it, the, the intention is yes. good, yes. is to help, yeah. is to show something, to shine a light. Right. Yeah, that there's no like malicious intent behind anything that you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Which I don't, we've never had any malicious intent behind anything we've said, but I do often think back and say like to my, if I were to listen to some of the episodes we've recorded a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. I might listen and be like, I don't agree with what I just said right there anymore. I, and yeah. so it's sort of, you know, but those things are out there now in perpetuity right. for people to go back and listen to at any time. And to know that we all change and evolve. We all change and evolve. Yes. But exactly. Um, that's yeah. So like as a, as a psychologist, like I, and you know, what's funny is like, I'll go to therapy and my therapist will have given me something the week before to do. And she'll be like, can like, I want you to do this exercise, whatever. Which we have the same therapist. I've never once gotten something to do. Uh, That's because funny. I have to, because I am a mess, Amy. That I, is why. No, I want to jump in. I want an assignment. No, you don't. I want to jump in and say that I, I feel like I love your therapist. I have no clue who it is, but that means you're getting what I, I tell everybody. I think treatment should be idiosyncratic. I, I don't give, I yeah. almost never give, I certainly don't give like homework. Um, right. But I may say, why don't you try this? Or this may be a good yeah. idea. But if 
you need it and Amy doesn't, that means you're not getting right. textbook therapy, which is awesome. Yeah. 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 No, she's, it's, it's definitely something that she's like, you know, <laughs> because there'll be, it's, my depression is very like, um, mm-hmm. up and down. Mm-hmm. So like, there'll be times when I can sit and we can have like a totally productive conversation. And then there are times when it's not a productive conversation yeah. because I'm so like full of whatever is going on inside of me that I'm just like, <laughs> you know? yep. so she's like, let's try doing this. This might help like, like center your thoughts mm-hmm. and yep. allow us to kind of like focus on what we're talking about. But she'll give me stuff to do in between and I'll come back and I'll be like, so I did that thing. And she's like, I, every single time she looks shocked. So I'm one, <laughs> she's, she's like, oh, like, oh, like you, you did what I asked you to do. Like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> like, I don't know if like people just don't do I it. I was just going to say, that's probably not a you thing. That's yeah, a, no, the, oh yeah, my God, it doesn't someone seem- actually listened. <laughs> Cause I do it every time. So, but I'm like, I do this every time. Like everything you give me to do, I do. Yeah. Why are you surprised? But I think it's just because she just, maybe yeah. people just don't. Yeah. But, um, it's just funny. I always look at her face. So I'm like wondering if that's like a, a thing, like if people just, <laughs> but I also, do you know how anxiety will creep in and like 2am you'll wake up and think about something you said or did like 10 oh, years ago yeah. and you're like, Oh God, why? So like, we were talking about first therapy appointments and Oof. that's my, one of my 2am <laughs> moments. <laughs> I will never forget like my therapist's face at the end. Like, halfway through, she's like, like eyes open wide, just like, st- because I hadn't talked to anybody ever about oh. anything that ever happened to me. I mean, like literally no one ever. So it all just came out. It all came out. And I was like sobbing and weeping and like, just like snot coming out of my nose. I like some poor girl right out of school. <laughs> she'd be like, she'd be like oh, take me back. No, it was my current, cause I've never oh. gone to therapy before. This is my first therapist. Oh gosh. So like she, she was just like, okay, um, <laughs> all right. That was a lot. Um, let's. <laughs> I forgot this was your first. Yes, yes, go this around. is my first. It's still first go around. Same therapist I've had for the past few years is my first therapist ever. So poor thing. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, that was just everything in your life that you just spilled out to yeah. me. But it really wasn't. I was only going. I only started with one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, you. We have a lot to talk about. We have yeah. lots That's- to go over. But do you ever like, I'm just wondering like what was going through her brain? Because maybe that'll help my 2 a.m. anxiety thinking about that first. I was thinking I would have loved that. Like just, first of all, oh my gosh, this woman feels so comfortable or comfortable enough to allow the story, the sobbing, you know, the weeping to come out. Then I would think, okay, awesome. We have material for a really <laughs> long time. And it, it like, it, it, because I'm guessing, you know, believe it or not, a lot, each other. Yeah, right. But a lot of people have a hard time accessing such emotional stuff, especially in the first appointment. Um, yeah. I have some patients who even now, you know, virtually I'll say, oh my gosh, do I see tears? Because <laughs> it was such a big deal for them to be able yeah. to cry. Yeah. And usually then I will also cry. And we just, it sounds weird, but we enjoy the moment of being able to sit with each other, two humans, you know, expressing whatever is held by those tears at that time. And 
Gosh, I, I would tell you the opposite, Sarah, is way harder when someone comes in for their first appointment and the therapist is, you know, asking all the questions because then it just feels like you're you're checking boxes and you literally are like it's mm-hmm. yeah, I would rather you tell the story and I can check the boxes in my head in terms of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And OK, I have enough. I've met criteria for major depressive disorder. OK, yep. Sounds like GAD also etc. Mm-hmm. Where we can just keep going and it can feel more organic. Otherwise, it's me saying, have you, you know, experienced depressed mood for more than two weeks at a time? And right. It- Do you have experience in hospitals? So I did my master's field placements at Mayview State Hospital. I did my pre-doctoral internship at Torrance State Hospital. Um, so state hospitals, yes. Our current psych units um, in terms of community hospitals, no. But I worked at AGH where we did get um, a lot of people would come from the inpatient unit to the partial unit, then step down to outpatient psychotherapy with me. Um, So that's a... What's a state hospital? So a state hospital is generally where people go when they've been in a community hospital for an extended amount of time and they're not getting better, then they go to these facilities. Um, It's actually, they used to be, I hate to say it this way, but they used to be really pretty amazing communities. They were self-sustaining communities. People worked there. um, So there was purpose. And, you know, now it is, they're not allowed to work there. Um, So it's generally people with severe and persistent mental illness who have not done well without that level of care. So they can mm-hmm. be there for months, years, um, generally schizophrenia, very severe bipolar disorder. Um, it's, a, it's a tough situation, I think, for everybody. Yeah. I personally loved it. I yeah. had so much fun with the patients and I remember telling myself like, okay, your goals have to be a little bit different here. You're not going to be doing any groundbreaking psychotherapy. I don't think I'm doing groundbreaking psychotherapy, period. But there, it's not going to happen. But you have an opportunity to be therapeutic every time you make contact with somebody. Mm -hmm. And so that was really cool. Whereas now in, in our community hospitals, usually people are not there for more than a week or two. They're getting stabilized and then they're sent to a partial hospitalization program where maybe they're in group therapy three days a week. And then we go from there to an outpatient therapy situation. And the treatment isn't as intensive and the rationale is our medications are theoretically better than they used to be. Mm. But for some people, it still doesn't um, feel supportive enough. Yeah. And so just as a little background, I had a question. I asked you that because that's kind of my goal is to ask more professionals about Mm -hmm. that from their side of things. Because um, as I got to that part of my book and I was writing about my experience with the hospitals, my editor was like, um... Um, do we have to be so harsh? And I was like, well, that's my experience. And so, you know, I know in my heart that people try to do the best they can, but like I've had just, so I'm trying to understand the difference between the hospitals. And so like when you're in the short-term hospital, Mm -hmm. we never really like to get on that partial or to get um, in the week, that's like a six month waiting list from the time you leave the hospital. Which is ridiculous because so that so for those six months it's like what, what the do you heck do? are you supposed to do yeah, yeah. and so um, Sarah had like very different experience a positive one yeah um, and I think each hospital is different and I think each person you encounter when you go into the ER and when you go into yep. you know intake 
it matters. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we don't, <laughs> the other thing is when the state hospitals started, there were more of them. So people's families could visit it. Mm. I can't tell you, I, I could probably count on one hand, the number of times I saw a family coming in to visit a patient at a state hospital. Um, there was also a movement that the Quakers started, believe it or not, um, where they thought hospitals for people with psychiatric issues should be beautiful. They should be able to go to lectures. Oh, yes. They should get massages. You know, the yes. mind should be stimulated. There should be beautiful art. And I think that would just be amazing, but that's not our hospitals now. Basically, I think locally and probably in most places, they serve to stabilize on meds. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you are moved to a lower level of care. But often, as you said, Amy, the appropriate level of care is not available. And there is just right. nothing. I mean, I, I will tell you as a therapist, there have been times I've been terrified for patients that we will have a perfect plan in place. Okay, this is what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And usually I can see it about a month ahead of time so I can start contacting them and say, hey, mm -hmm. do you think you will have a spot for so-and-so at this point? Oh. I would like to get them into partial. Um, I would like to avoid the hospital. And that has generally worked, but because of my relationships with people, and it's usually people who've been there before. So the program also knows what they're getting into. Um, but it's, we have a, I'm just gonna say it, we have a com almost completely broken mental health system in the United States. Yeah. And, and something so simple as um, sunlight, like it killed Scott not to be yes. able to go outside for however long he was there. Yep. And he just would cry and he'd be like, I just need to see outside. And the, there wasn't even that many big windows. It was like, and they just said, you can't. And there's right. just not enough of us to watch you. And so that was, that was like a big part of the reason he fought to get out all the time. Yeah. It's just like, you don't realize what it's like. I mean, I, sometimes I like to be inside, but I know I can walk outside. Right. It's the idea of being trapped. Right. I mean, even, you know, as I was singing the praises of the former state hospital situation that, you know, that hasn't been the case in what, like a hundred years, but they called patients inmates also at one point, like yeah. that, that's just not, I don't know. It, it's, it's so inappropriate that I, I, I don't have any other words. It's just dehumanized. It. It's exactly. Dehumanizing. Yeah. That's exactly right. The choice of words that you have when addressing people yeah. with any kind of psychiatric um, struggles makes a huge difference Absolutely. in how they feel about themselves. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I say the word patient and a lot of people don't. They prefer the word client. Um, uh, believe it or not, some organizations even use consumer. I I know Get that out. is that is the face Get I out. make. Yes, I believe. I don't want to My speak for them. So... Yes, I believe the intention is to empower, you know, to say if you are, you yeah. know, if we think about buying a product, you have, you know, the capacity to say yes or no, you can raise concerns, etc. I hate that one. And even, you know, I think the idea with client was to feel more equal. Mm -hmm. um, which is wonderful. We should feel equal. I tell people, you know, I might be the one with a degree who only insisted her family calls her doctor. Um, but, <laughs> and, and I have some experience being a psychologist, being a therapist. You are the expert on your lived experience. So mm -hmm. we have to totally collaborate. That said, patient implies that I am caring for you. 
that I yeah. have responsibility for mm. your care. Yeah. And I believe I do. And I should. Yes. So yes. I prefer that term. And if anyone says why, I'm happy to tell them that because client to me, you know, my dad's an attorney, he has clients. And to be honest with yes. you, he cares for them too. But yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it's a different, it's a different situation. And I, I've discussed that with a patient and he said, no, I am absolutely your patient. I said, okay. I like the use of the word patient as well, because it takes it into the realm of taking care of your health yep. and it brings it, you know, mental health on the same level mm -hmm. as physical health. And yep. so I think it's important to use that distinction. So yeah, I love that you say patient. Yeah. Good. For all of those reasons. I'm keeping yeah, it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Humanizing um, those specific, you know, well, I mean, like I have experienced my own. I, I mean, I don't know if major depressive and generalized anxiety disorder are a big deal anymore because I feel like, you know, I don't know, but I've had it forever. I've had yep. it since I was 18 and um, is just so different of an approach, I think, to what my care needed to be as opposed yes. to like what Scott's care needed to be. Absolutely. With, um bipolar disorder and I still think that people could dehumanize someone with a like a scarier illness or oh, a more one that people right, perceive like to they be scarier him like he was like yes exactly mm -hmm. like I, oh well Amy's fully capable of like still handling life and so right. we'll treat her like an adult but we'll treat him like a child. Absolutely. I mean even you say the word schizophrenia first of all most people don't even really know what the disorder is or what the diagnosis means. And then the other thing is then they're afraid. But the thing is people with schizophrenia are more likely to be the victim of a mm -hmm. crime. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, to be victimized than to mm -hmm. be victimizing other people. It's just, mm -hmm. I mean, and I think that's where actually I want to thank the two of you for working to reduce stigma because that's where that comes from. We didn't talk about this stuff. You know, I had a phone call with my mom this morning and I said, just so you know, I'm doing this podcast tomorrow and I want to make sure it's okay with you that I say there is a family history of depression yeah. and even suicide. And she said, yeah, that's fine. And then she set some parameters and I, I agreed and that, you know, that's okay. But we talked yeah. about how even, you know, my grandmother's generation, I was in a hospital for depression my grandmother spent every day with her sister and her sister had no idea where I was or why. <gasps> and I mean, that makes, yeah, but that's that generation, you know, mm -hmm. yep. they, mm -hmm. my mom said, she said something about like, Oh, you know, when Katie was hospitalized and her aunt said, what? And she mm -hmm. said, yeah. you know, my grandmother's face just dropped and I don't blame them. I don't, I think it there's was shame. Exactly. There's just shame of all involved that um, that's kind of why we just put it all out there. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I got nothing to lose. Right. Right. Well, there, that's <laughs> the whole thing. Like I even I it's so funny because I have an office condo. I'm the only one there. And I tell people I'm, I'm always so careful with words. I say, you know, it's very, very private. Not because I think there's anything shameful about this. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just because that might be important to you. You know, you might not yeah, want yeah. someone seeing you walk into Stuart Psychological Services and chances are no one will. If you don't right. care, awesome. You shouldn't. My dream is someday mm -hmm. we all parade down, I don't know, Fifth Avenue, wherever, holding a sign with all of our issues. Because yes. then everybody's going to see there are so many yeah. people with the same issues. Yeah. You know, then there's so much less shame and stigma. What's your, from your perspective, the shame and stigma around 
mental illness in the workplace oh, from your patient's perspective? Oh, God. Because, you know, I think there's the... <laughs> I can't tell you... Loaded questions. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I still haven't told my story yet because it's like, oh, God, it's so awful. Someday. Someday. You'll be able to tell it soon. I, I you know, I don't... I think... I think employers or HR, whoever it is, I think they're scared and they don't understand. That's exactly what they are. And and what happens is people say, you know, I have major depressive disorder. And I think we all know that that is on a spectrum. If you have this sure. cluster of symptoms versus this, and if it's a good day versus a bad mm-hmm. day. But I hate to say this. I think that the immediate thought probably is, oh, God, what am I going to have to deal with? You know, yeah. for some reason, is this person going to be problematic? Am I going to have to deal with FMLA? Um, and it, it, it probably feels like a bigger deal than it is. And so then people keep it wrapped up, which is the worst possible thing to do. And then, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I have treated who quit their jobs because they couldn't, I, I don't even want to say they couldn't handle it because it's not something to handle the employer or colleagues or, you know, whoever it was just didn't even try to understand the situation. Yes. Yes. 1000%. They probably made it more difficult for them to come to work every day. Absolutely. (laughs) And they make you feel like there is something very different about you You. than everyone else Mm -hmm. and very wrong. Right. And why can't you just suck it up and do it? Yeah. And like, Okay, and dangerous would be another word. I think mm-hmm. they think that you're dangerous now. Oh, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably dangerous, you know, in a few ways. And that's, you know, somewhere media doesn't help, stigma doesn't help that, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, is she going to, you know, complain about this? Or mm-hmm. is this going to become an issue now? I can't tell you how many people just don't have conversations. Yes. Yeah. And, and we don't do any just research. Just talk about or... things. Yeah. yeah. Well, right, because the onus should not be on the individual to educate. Not at all. If someone is no. in a supervisory position, if you're in an HR position, it is your job to learn how you can help this person. Yes. This is a very weird comparison to make, <laughs> but I feel like it'll help people like kind of understand that because I think some people, some people, employers would be like, well, no, I mean, how am I supposed, so I'm supposed to just know everything about whatever and, and know about all of my employees. Well, yes, that's your job. You're an employer. And I think like something that can sort of relate is like if you go to Disney World and the characters realize that there's a deaf child, they will use sign language because they know how to use sign language. If there is an autistic child, they know how to approach and interact with the child in the way that's going to make that child feel more comfortable because they know how to do that. They've educated themselves so that when they come across a person in their park, that person can have the best experience that they possibly can. I know that's like a weird comparison. It's not not a weird comparison. I think the difference that what they'll say is, is like, well, they won't say it, but is that like you're a liability and you're too much work and there's 20 other people who I could have instead of you. And I don't really care about you. Yeah. And that's it, right? There's a, I don't care. You mean nothing. (laughs) And I just, again, I really think if people would just take time and listen, just here, like literally just listen, not preparing your response, not Mm -hmm. thinking about what is this going to mean a year from now? Just listen. Honestly, first of all, everyone would feel better because they're being heard. And so we probably wouldn't have as many problems, 
but you'd also be more educated as the person mm -hmm. in, you know, the supervisory position. <laughs> I also wonder if there's like this thing like that might happen where you talk to because depression and anxiety are such a widely experienced. Yep illness and i think that there are a lot of people who don't even know that they suffer so you talk to your supervisor so you talk to your supervisor's like wait hold on wait i feel that way oh and my I, gosh i don't <laughs> i know i i mean as you're saying that i'm laughing because i have people who come to therapy and don't know and and it'll take me a year <laughs> to 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 make the case for what you have is generalized anxiety disorder and that, and, and truly, and, and that's a really interesting thing because stigma, shame, how families mm -hmm. handle things, right? And then they say, oh my gosh, I have this. And I say, yes, you have this. You, or you experience this. You aren't this. Yes. And now right. that we've identified something that is not you, it is separate. Mm -hmm. We can do something about it. And then that's another yes. year. And then we just have so much fun <laughs> that it goes on. And <laughs> we just keep working things through. Oh my gosh. I wish that we hadn't like become friendly here because now I'm like, I want you to be my psychologist. <laughs> she doesn't have any room. No room. Not <laughs> whatsoever. Don't call me. <laughs> so what advice do you have for anyone out there who is struggling at work? Oh, I think that's like common and I feel like people are just quitting. It's huge. Mm -hmm. I... And what else can possibly be done? And at what point do you suggest that? to happen, I guess. Well, I, I think everybody has to know their own limits and I certainly couldn't tell anyone what that is. But I think if you can, one of my favorite techniques is just zoom out, look at the situation. Can you watch it? Sometimes I'll say to people, if this was a lifetime movie, what would you think, <laughs> you know, what would you think about your character? Mm. What would you mm. want her to do? I like that. And then can she do it in the situation? that she's in, you know, is there a mechanism of action here? Is there a step you can take? And I also think people have to be able to walk away. You know, this idea that, well, I can't leave my job until I have another one. Well, you can, your mental health is so much more important than your job, your health. Because actually, you know, Sarah, you made the point earlier. I don't even really like saying mental health. It's kind of like mm -hmm. saying mind-body connection. That even implies that they're not the same thing. They are. Yeah. They are yeah. the same thing. But I think, you know, also process it somewhere. Have someone on your side, whether it's a therapist, a friend, run things by people and say, and, and be able to take the feedback, you know say, does this sound crazy to you? Does this sound toxic to you? Does this sound weird? If everybody is saying yes, get the hell out. Mm. Yeah. Just yeah. don't do it anymore, if at all possible. But if you want to fight, fight. But just remember that it can, that can be really bad for you too. It just, so much of it depends on your personality. There are people who thrive on, you know, being assertive and, you know, fighting the good fight. There are people who just aren't fighters yeah. and that's okay. It is totally fine and, and to you walk know, you away. Might be in a, and, and, and I'm speaking, yes, about myself, but I'm speaking out to other people out there. We all have seasons yep. and I like to uh, uh, assimilate that with my age, but that might not be how that works with everyone. But for me, like my 20s and 30s, I fought like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Like I fought against everything. Like I was going to like save my husband, save my marriage, 
save injustice in the world, like make sure people are treated equally. You know, I was going to do all the things I was going to fight at work, all of this stuff. And then you just like come to this place. <laughs> if everyone feels this way at 43, but I'm like, nah, like I'm tired. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. I'm going to lay down and let the next generation go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Fight away. Well, that's, I mean, you talk about seasons. I always think about, I think I've been a few different people, you know, or yes. like personalities. Yes. I actually saw, sure. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mantra Magazine, but they posted a quote by Joan Didion yesterday. I have already lost touch with a couple people I used to be. Oh my gosh, I love that. I just got goosebumps all over. <gasps> That's my new favorite quote. Oh, I love like, that. Who is that? Oh, that is so good. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh wow. my gosh. You know, I think that the zoom out exercise is going to be super helpful in like all mm-hmm. areas of life. Because, you know, I'm thinking, I was like thinking to myself of, you know, being in a movie theater and we went to go see my bloody Valentine like years ago in 3D. And the theater was packed and this girl, you know, it's a horror movie. And so it's like super cheesy. And she comes running out in high heels, completely naked. And like the guy's got a machete and he's chasing her. And this girl behind us is like, bitch, you better get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm thinking oh my to God. myself, of like, oh my God, how many times could I have benefited from sitting back, looking at a situation I was in and yelling, bitch, bitch you better get out of there. <laughs> That's amazing. I just can't because like that's gonna be the new line. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, "No, bitch, you better get out, get out now." I'm oh, picturing myself there. saying that in session next week. Yes, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. And then for you, it has to be difficult sometimes to be able to see what they can't see. Yeah, yeah, and to have to guide them there. And be like, like you said, a year later. Yeah. (laughs) It is. um, Well, because the other thing is too, right? You have to be humble. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not, I'm never positive of how things are going to go. But I can always, you know, the trick is always to say, but what if this would happen? Yeah. How do you think you'd feel in that situation? Or have you considered this? Or especially if it's a situation where, I've been in it, but it doesn't feel right to self-disclose. I'll say, well, some people might. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I wonder I'm how many times all that's the been. Tricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, I've heard that a lot. From uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I have people. this other client who this has helped them. And I'm like, now I'm going to be like, is that you? Is that other client you? <laughs> that bitch Stewart, she just outed yes. everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. I you are you are incredible. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. This is this has been so fun and enlightening. Have, yeah. Oh, and like, you. you know, it is a very interesting thing to know someone and they're when they're younger and then meet yeah. them again when they're older right and like that different just person that I'm not in touch with yes. anymore <laughs> but you are you are a truly beautiful human like your light shines so bright and Agreed. I just I wow so I want to be friends again I know let's be friends again you know what I'm picturing um, I'm picturing us in the back of the minivan singing at the top of our lungs <laughs> who knows what it was wilson phillips was whatever it? like i don't or, like me i think it might have been jimmy buffett or something oh <laughs> oh man 
I am just so grateful that you came on and shared your yes. expertise. I feel like you gave a lot of really good insight good. to our listeners. I yes. hope so. Yeah, I've had some <laughs> some like realizations. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm so using some of these techniques for sure good. in life. <laughs> Before we let you go, we have to ask you what we ask all of our guests. We call our listeners warriors and everyone has their own specific meaning to what that is to them. So we want to know, we're curious, Dr. Stewart, <laughs> what does being a warrior mean to you? Oh, that's funny. The first thing that popped into my mind was, you know, at yoga, when they say, be a warrior, not a worrier. It's not that simple. Um, uh, but, <laughs> right? No, but honestly, I think it, there there is a, a simple concept that is difficult to embody is a warrior is the person who just keeps going when i think of that i think yeah. about i don't know if you know the it's i've heard of it called the paradoxical commandments or i think of it as do it anyway um it got mm. attributed to mother Teresa, but then actually it's this guy named what is it kent keith it's two first names and i always get those messed up um who wrote the <laughs> paradoxical commandments but then mother Teresa supposedly had it on the wall in her children's home in calcutta and then maybe even in her room and if we have time i i actually had it out yesterday it's really beautiful people are often unreasonable irrational and self-centered forgive them anyway if you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and, she says God, I'd say the universe, the mystery. It was never between you and them anyway. Oh my goodness. Oh, I have full oh, body right? chills. Like, me just too. keep yeah. going. Do the thing that you know anyway. you have to do anyway. I, I speechless. Yeah, I want to tattoo that on my forehead. Yeah, I'm gonna post Malone head. that shit. It's gonna be all over. Do the thing. Do it anyway. anyway. I mean, I will say that to patients. You know, I don't think this is what Nike had in mind, but we'll in our in our shorthand we'll say just Nike it. Yeah, you know, just do it. Yeah. I could say, think of some wild and weird things about you from your younger years, but I won't share those. Exactly. <laughs> I will not share those. So my mom we, knows most of them. You can. <laughs> <laughs> we like to talk about how to keep wild and weird, be unique, be you unapologetically. So what would you say makes you wild <laughs> and or weird? So it can be two separate things or you can put them together. Hey, well, considering current me gets up at 4.45 a.m. to pump, oh. I know, to pump before 6 a.m. yoga, I don't feel very wild these days. 20 years oh, ago, uh, 25 gosh. years ago, I would have been like, let me just tell you what I did last night. Um, <laughs> but, but weird, I think my husband would tell you one of the weirdest things about me is we call it creepy elbow. I don't know if it's weird. I'm telling you, I, I don't know if it, if it's being double jointed, hypermobile, but I can turn my 
hand the whole way around, particularly on my right arm, if I press down on a table. And so then when I bend my elbow, it looks like it's going the wrong way. <gasps> it's. it's <laughs> Oh my god. And then the weirdest thing is that I go on a podcast and I tell people about it <laughs> and they can't even see it. <laughs> they can imagine it. Yes. It's like oh something from Maybe one... you could take a picture and we can post it on our Instagram as I part can of do the that. episode. I can absolutely yes. do that. Yes, and it'll be one of those if you know you know. Yes. <laughs> Listen to the damn episode. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. We cannot wait to chat with you again. Yes. I would look forward to it. I look forward to it. And all you listeners look forward to it too, because we are having her back. Um, We've convinced her. Easily. (laughs) We've had a little chat about it. To come back on our wild and weird place. (laughs) Yeah. Have a good week, everyone. Stay wild and weird. This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Theme song and other music provided by Epidemic Sound. Editing and production by Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this, join our fan club at patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. Follow us on Instagram at unqualifiedtherapists, where you will find our link tree to all things here at the UT. If you have a story to tell or a topic you'd like us to discuss, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. Until next week, warrior, hold on. We're gonna make it. Say it now, say it proud, shout it out, make it where we go.